Today, I'm starting a series called The Gathering. And Jennifer did a masterful job in helping me just to show you why we gather, why we assemble. In the, I would say, the past few years, I've been trying to be a little bit more disciplined with my speech. Um, it's, it, it has to be intentional in that when I refer to the church, I make sure that it's in context. Now, I know that for years, we've been using it in a way that is almost just colloquial. But I try to be intentional. I never say that I go to the church. I never say that we're having church because it's just me, just working in things that I need to do. I generally refer to this place as the ministry, the, the gathering, the assembling, because I always want to remember that I am the church. And I never want to take that uh, separation away. So everywhere I go, I strive to be. And when I make mistakes, it really tears me up that I'm not representing who I really am in Christ. But today I want to show you why God calls the body to assemble. And I want to show you the reasons behind this. There is a scripture, and of course what's happened is because of COVID, we have pivoted, if you will. We've learned that we can gather online. My suspicion though is that the online experience, this is just my suspicion, is really God giving us an option for when we cannot physically come together. I think it's an option he's given to us, taking advantage of the knowledge of technology that he has given to humanity. I don't think the online experience is the go-to move of God. And I'll, I'm going to explain that in just a minute. I think the in-person, the coming together is the first desire of God. Secondarily, if you are away, if you can't come, if you've got something with your calendar, if you're overseas, if people want to log into the ministry, they can. And we can all benefit that way. But I think there is something to be said about the in-person experience. And I want to show you why that's important. Now, if the discipline is there that in the online space we can do what I'm going to show you, then it would work. What I've seen in my own life, I can't speak for anyone else, but during the pandemic, when I got up in the morning, sometimes I didn't even wash my face. I just turned the computer on and I sat there. And I realized that engagement sometimes was very difficult, especially if you're sitting there by yourself, to engage the screen and to do what we do in this moment. It's very challenging. And so what can happen is though we are in the service, we may not be actively engaged in the service. And I will show you why that's critically important. So I just want to reiterate for you, and I hope people are here, even online, I still believe that the primary mode of worshiping God collectively is physically in person. Secondarily, if we're not able to, God gives us a beautiful option of still remaining connecting, connected to the gathering. Listen to what the Lord says in the book of Hebrews first, and then we will go. This is our topic for today, the encounter. I want you to put that down, especially if you make notes. And if you don't make notes physically, just go on your phone, go to www.rema online, go to the sermon page, put that on your phone and follow me through this afternoon's presentation. I'm not going to get excited. I just want to share some things that I want you to think about and let these things go down in your spirit. Challenge me, if you will, to see if I'm not hearing what God is saying correctly. The encounter. In the book of Hebrews, listen to what the Bible says. Let us, 
Notice he then turns from singular, not me. Let us together hold fast the profession of our faith and let us not waver. For God, that's he, is faithful who's promised. So the idea there is we should be as consistent as God is consistent. So there's some work for us to do. He says, let us consider one another and let us provoke each other to love and to good works. And the Bible is quite interesting, isn't it? Because the word provoke or provocation in English is generally a negative word. When somebody provokes you, then they're, they're irritating you, they're bothering you. But Paul says, watch, let's irritate each other to love. It's almost oxymoronic, right? And let's irritate each other. So if you're going to bother me, bother me to love you. And if I'm going to bother you, bother you to love me and the same to good works. I don't want anyone praying right now. I want you listening. I really mean that. Don't go into a prayer mode. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more that we see that there is a day approaching. I want to show you something about why God has called us to gather from the moment the ministry or the body was established to this very day. The church community has been assembling, whether it was in houses, sometimes in the synagogue when they could, in corners of the temple, parts of the temple, and now today we have buildings that we can assemble. We can do this in our homes just as well. There's a purpose behind our gathering. I want to first tell you that the first reason why we do not gather as a primary reason is we do not gather for a social experience. I want you to hear that. That cannot be the primary reason. It has to be at best a benefit, a subset, but it cannot be the primary reason. The reason why I highlight that is because you and I are social creatures. We have been created that way. We are wired that way. If you don't believe me, just simply go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. And there you will see God acknowledging our social makeup. There he says to the man, or he says to himself rather, it is not good for the man to be alone. He is not speaking of a spiritual or a vertical experience because he is there providing that for the man. But what he's identifying is that there is a horizontal nature to relationships that he does not have right now. And so to further prove this, there's an episode where God brings all the animals, he names the animals, then God says, but for Adam there was not found a counterpart or one like him. And thus God makes the woman. I want you to think about that. What a woman does in a man's life, in a man and a woman's life, is they actually complete the social experience. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why you see the enemy messing with the genders to influence the social experience. It is from that word social that we actually get the word society. Society is people or people interacting in a social sense. We're wired socially, so you will see, for instance, that we will not struggle you won't struggle to go to a, an arena to watch a sporting event. 10,000 people, 20,000, whom we don't even know, but we enjoy that experience. And to some degree, even in those experiences, because it's such a social experience, you might find yourself giving a high five to a total stranger. Yeah. 
slapping somebody. Uh, somebody, who, somebody who you probably wouldn't even speak to on the street, but in that social experience, 10,000 people, or sorry, 3,000 people on a boat in the middle of the ocean, not afraid of the boat sinking. It's a social experience. We go to theaters. We, we do that. We are social creatures. But the danger is, listen to this, if you make the gathering social first, something is going to go awry. Because the gathering is not designed primarily to be a social experience. That can be a benefit, but that's not its first reason for being established. Someone said to me once, and I, I had to go away and think about it because I think I gave them the wrong answer. The person said, there needs to be more men in the church community. And I agree. It was a female talking to me. And I said, I agree. I said, we need to do a better job attracting more men into the faith community. And the person was intimating that basically the women need more options, more men to choose for marriage purposes. And so I sort of acquiesced to that conversation. But when I went away, I realized that I gave them the wrong information because that's not the purpose of our gathering. Right. Hear me. The purpose of our gathering is not that I can come and look for a wife or you can come and look for a husband. Or That cannot be the purpose. I want you to follow me. I'm going to just go methodic. That is not the primary purpose. The second thing that can happen to us beyond the social is that gatherings can also become ritualistic. And that by, by that I mean because we do it over and over, it becomes a routine and it becomes a ritual. And what people can ultimately do is they can use the ritual to create a merit-based system with God. By that I mean that they can believe, and I've heard it actually taught, that if I continue to attend, I'm going to use the, the word colloquially, attend church, I have a place in heaven. And if I don't attend, quote-unquote, church, I'm not going to heaven. It is not a ritual. Though it is done routinely, it must not be a routine. Because that's not the purpose. The purpose is not for it to become ritualistic or meritorious. It is not how often you come here that God is going to say at the end of that great eschatological day, well, you came more than the other person, therefore, and you didn't go. That's not the purpose. The primary purpose of gathering, bringing the body together, is to facilitate an encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. That is the primary purpose that individuals walk away having encountered Jesus. I'm going to walk you through this. If, if you come and you don't encounter him, we have failed in the reason why we have gathered. This is why people can be jaded even though they come. Because the purpose of coming is, it is, it's not aligned properly with the will of God. We come, and I'm going to show you how, when people understand the purpose, you will hear it in their voices, the, thing, the things that they say. We gather to facilitate an encounter with Him. We gather to facilitate an encounter with Him. Watch this scripture, then we'll go. I'm going to show you step by step how that encounter is facilitated. Look at this scripture in John chapter 12. John does this masterful thing. He says, there were certain Greeks that came to worship at the feast. On Wednesday, we'll talk about the Greeks and their empire. But John is specific. He says, Greeks. So these are non-Jews, non-Hebraic people. They come to worship. 
Perhaps they would have encountered Jews during the exile or scattered in the Greek Empire. And all of a sudden they have converted to Judaism and they've come to worship at the feast. So they would have had to work through all their gods, Zeus and Hera and Aphrodite and Artemis. And all of a sudden they come to worship at the feast and listen to what they say when they come to worship. They came to Philip and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Do you see that? We understand why we've come. We want to ask you to facilitate our seeing him. <laughs> it's one of the greatest scriptures I've ever read. Because that is the purpose of gathering. That we might encounter him. We can attest to this. You can say amen. We have seen church people, pastors, leaders, all the, the full gamut. And what we do is we have seen their flaws. We have seen their failures. We've encountered people more than we have encountered him. This is what diminishes our faith. Because if you ever see him... <laughs> I'm telling you this, listen to me. If you see him, it will change your perspective. But if you're constantly seeing me, Dave, Pat, Robert, you are seeing flaws. You're seeing broken vessels. That's why you say the things you say about the church. But if you see him, you actually see him who is without And anytime you see him, he gives you a greater perspective on you. I'm going to show you how this is going to work. So you will see that it requires engagement. Now, when the service is over, by all means, we should have a social experience. That's called fellowship. Part of the reason why, if you come before the service, you will see that I'm very focused. And at times I wonder if people think I'm anti-relation. No, no, not really. It's just that I know that I can talk to you after the service. Right now, I'm preparing to make sure that everything is in order to facilitate an encounter with him. So if you see me scurrying around and I just say, hey, good morning, say, Pastor, he doesn't talk to me. Well, because I know that I can talk to you after. And I know that we can talk even out of this place. But right now, in this moment, I'm getting ready, and I want people to think like this. We're getting ready to facilitate an encounter with him. Or do you follow my line of thinking? So we set all things in place. I, I don't need to talk to you about what happened this week in light of the fact that things have to be in place for his encounter. Did you follow that? So that's, that's why if, if you misunderstand, you, do, you then think, well, he, he didn't even stop to have a conversation with me. No, it's not that. I know that I'm going to speak to you and I spend hours afterward. But right now we're facilitating encounter. Because what we want, what I want, and even though I'm speaking and others may speak, I too am desirous to see him. It won't get any louder than this, I promise you, unless something leaps in my spirit. But that's the primary reason why the church assembles. Now do you see why God says, don't forsake that? 
Because the more you see him, think about it. Think about that. If every time you gathered together, you saw him, watch this. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. He's not talking about location. The word midst does not mean location. It means focal point. It means when you gather, I should be the center of the gathering. I feel him in the room. Please, can I slow down? So when Ezekiel sees him, when we're getting out of exile, Ezekiel sees him. He says, he was the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He is the focal point. He is the center. I was thinking that I was in a service not too long ago and I left the service and I realized that you know what? I don't think I heard the name of Jesus mentioned in the service other than when the person prayed and they were doing the amen in Jesus name. And I really thought about I said I, I don't think I even heard the preacher. Because at times what can happen is we assume that everyone knows that we're talking about him. But in every service, his name, his person, and his presence must be centered. That's, that's what's called having a Christ-centered experience. It makes, believe it or not, it makes ministry a lot easier when people see him. Ministry is only harder when you are trying to get people to see him. But once they have seen him, there is a response because they don't even know this. They are wired in deep places to respond to him. They just need to see him. So let me show you how this is going to work. Can you stay with me just for a little while? Watch. There's a journey to the encounter. This is why people like Jennifer, worship leaders, singers, in the Bible, they're not people that you just pick up who want to just do it. Let's be faithful to scripture. In the Bible, the people who do worship in the temple, they are Levitical in nature. Am I right? Am I right, scholars? Both am I right? You, you cannot do worship in the temple, at least lead it, if you were not born a Levite in the Mosaic Covenant. That means, watch, you were born to do this. You were born. So you could be over there in the tribe of Benjamin wanting to sing oh so much. But you could sing in the congregation. The sons of Aaron, the sons of Levi, they were attending to the music. The reason why it's because God is using them to lead us on the journey. So there's some things, and this is why, to me, if you ask me if we've got it all right yet, through no fault of their own, we don't have it all right yet. Because one of the things God did for them was, He made sure that their hands were free from other labor, to be free for this, because of how important the journey was. So the Levite never, we don't have it right yet, and we pray that God would give us the resources to get it right. The Levite did not work and come to the temple. Oh, that's good. You don't want to say anything to me, but I'm going to keep it calm. He said, calm down. 
He didn't. He didn't run in after work and try to figure out how his instrument was going to work. He didn't have because his mind was in one place. Watch. Taking Israel somewhere. So when they, oh my, when they began to play their instruments. Do you know there's a, a, a scripture that when Solomon went to dedicate the temple and the Levites were ready and they began to play, the Bible said the glory filled the house. Brothers and sisters, it, it is so important. This is why everyone in their rightful place and being okay. Listen, I will always tell you this. I love to sing, but can I use this again? analogy but I was not born a Levite so I'm going to jump into the congregation and join the Levites on the journey so let me show you step one you will see this very very simple watch step one and I'm going to use the tabernacle as a backdrop when we assemble we enter a particular space place and time so the Bible says watch this we enter his gates so we come, we come, but we've got to come in a certain way. There's a certain disposition. I'm talking to believers, and then the unbeliever will catch this. Trust me, there's a certain way that you come. Can I, I'm going to use it for the sake of the, the conversation. It'll help you. There's a certain way that we come to church. Can I use it like that? Just for the sake of the... We should come. You should not come having a bad attitude. Because already you've impacted the journey. You should not come having issues. And if you do have issues, spend a moment. That's why it's important not to come. Do you know what they used to teach us in the old church? I agree with it. I try to practice it a little bit. They used to teach us in the old church that when you come to the service, you should pray first. Do you all remember that? So, can I get a chair of some kind? Maybe one of the chairs. So what we would do is, when we would come, even as young people, just throw it, throw it up there. Even as young people, we would do this. I'm going to just demonstrate. We would always come. I mean, was 21 years old. We were young people. Thank you so much. We'd come into the service with our Bible. <laughs> Little music, Robert. And then, then we would get up and have service. Now, whatever you think about that, the purpose of that is it's making sure that we don't bring things in that will impact the journey. Listen, the lighter you are, the faster we can travel. <laughs> Thank you for the cheer. You understand that? The, the lighter, that's why I think Jesus would say, take, take my yoke and learn of me throughout the week because my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. When you come, I want you to come with a certain disposition. We enter his gates with thanksgiving so that we can cross his courts with praise. So part of what the enemy does is he will always ensure that you've got issues with people in the church, with something, with something. So you come in like this. And, you say, and then what you say is, make me move make me no you you're missing it watch it's a disposition and it actually starts with me with you watch it's a soulless disposition and a spiritual disposition if you read psalm 34 verse 1 you will see that you have to decide i have to decide how to do this i will bless the lord at all times it's a decision i make don't put it on the holy spirit he didn't move me that's not his job he, he, I wasn't anointed. No, I will. 
in Psalm 118 verse 24, the Bible then says, let me watch. Uh, this is the little, let us rejoice and be glad. And it's a, dis- a decision that we make that we're coming with a certain disposition. So even if you've had a quote unquote bad week, try not to bring the bad week into the service. Did you follow what I'm saying? Because we are, we, not me, we are going on a journey. Part of the problem with the 21st century ministries is that we are so individualistic that we miss our collectivism. That it's connected on to everyone coming together. So everyone should come here with thanksgiving. Everyone should come here with praise. Everyone, everyone. It's not something you're going to find here. So let me also show you something. What you cultivate in your personal life enhances the journey. So if you don't cultivate thanksgiving and praise outside of this place, you might come looking to find it, but you may not find it. You've got to cultivate it in your personal walk with Him so that our collective walk can be expeditious. It, it doesn't take us long to get where we're going if we've come with the same. Think me stoic. I, I don't think I'm stoic, but all the pastors know me. I know them. We can greet each other friendly, but when I walk in, I just go right to business because I know why I'm here. It takes nothing away from them. I'm not ignoring them. I'm not being on. I know why I'm here. I know the reason why I've spent time to get here. So there's a business. Can I say there's a business decision that I make? That we are going to go somewhere. There you go. There's the scripture that we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We've come to be thankful and we've come to bless his name. Step one. Step one. That means if you're ungrateful, the journey's already aborted. If we're not thankful, something's wrong at the very front end of the journey. Step number two, it gets, it gets really good. Once we gather and we begin to praise God, keep in mind, from a biblical standpoint, we're just in the outer court, remember? Cross his courts with praise. We're just somewhere out there in the outer court. But what begins to happen in the spirit is an atmosphere is being created. I think we take this lightly. In the demonic world, they understand atmospheres a whole lot better than we understand atmospheres. This is why in concerts, that's why you you don't really see uh, you buy a ticket to see U2 or I don't know, I don't know what these singers are, who are they? You don't really see them with some guy who can't play the guitar saying, I, I just came out to help Justin Bieber, he didn't have a guitar player. You, you actually see the best musicians, right. the, the best instruments, you see lights, you see sound, everything, the best sound engineers, everything is tuned because they are going to create an atmosphere. It's the atmosphere that's going to take them where they need to go. After a while, you will see that the artist does not have to tell the recipients what to do. The atmosphere tells them, hands up. You don't really see Justin Bieber saying, lift your hands. But everyone in the building, 
You seldomly see them giving instructions because the atmosphere has the ability to dictate what's required. Atmosphere is powerful. Let me show you, if, if you, just in case you don't believe me, when the atmosphere starts to be created, it's, it's, it's something you can't really see, it's intangible. But what happens in the spirit is Jesus, and that's why it's got to be about him, he actually comes and he sits in the atmosphere. <laughs> There's a Hebrew term, the term is shakan. It means he comes and he inhabits the praises. The word inhabit means to come and sit down. He comes, he begins to superintend the atmosphere. This is done via the Holy Ghost. He sits in the atmosphere and he begins to lead the atmosphere. This is the whole idea of us adding more fire to the altar and an atmosphere is being created. This is why if, if, if he's not the center, watch, he doesn't sit. Do you follow what I'm saying? So you can sing, but he doesn't come and sit. He only comes and sits when he is the center. Because, can I talk even from a human standpoint? If he comes and sits in an environment where that's not about him, he would have wasted his time. So he only sits in environment. This is why when the lamb sits in the book of Revelation, all the elders throw down their crowns. Because he is the center of the, the atmosphere. Not the pastor, not the worship. At this point now, we start to decrease. And the vessels of who we are, we begin to promote atmospheres, not ourselves. Because there is an unseen guest among us who sits enthroned to govern the atmosphere. Oh, here's what the Bible says, in case you don't believe me. The, he's high, he's holy, but he inhabits the praises of Israel or his people. He comes and sits down in that moment. This is what begins to happen when he does this. Watch. The atmosphere, it's called a felt environment. It's when you begin to feel that there's a presence here. That there's something in the room. So you will see things like, watch like you saw earlier, you'll see people start to run. No one told them to run. The atmosphere is dictating to their spirit. You will see people begin to lift their hands. No one's telling them the atmosphere is dictating to them. That's what we need. We no longer need human dictation. We need the spirit to dictate to us. So that you will never say, I did it because they told me to do it. No, the atmosphere told me. The environment told me. <laughs> now I think we understand being led by the Spirit. But it takes us, watch, everyone has to be engaged for the atmosphere to be effective. Can you imagine, just think with me for a moment, that you and I were in the upper room and you had a bad day and you said, I'm not praying. You would have then impacted the fact that we would have got to one accord you would have impacted the fact that the heavens would be opened and suddenly there would come a sound so every person plays a role watch this so therefore watch in ministries that are destined to do this watch don't take this wrong every person is under attack 
Hear me. It's in different ways. I'm not saying that you're sick with it, but every person, it could be the mind, it could be situations, it could be emotions. Every person's under attack so that you do not come here with a mind to create a unified atmosphere. So people have said to me, we long for the days of Acts. We have the ability to create that. Oh, we want to see what the apostles did. It's sitting right here, right now. The reason why we don't see it is because I'm in Japan, you're in China in your mind, you're in Jamaica, you're in Mexico, I'm at home, I'm having it, and that's what we're all over the place. But when they were on one accord, watch, watch the next word, suddenly, it means it happens quickly when we are on the same page. But it's like that everywhere maybe it's because I could be guessing maybe it's because when I go to the Justin Bieber I'm just using him as an example uh, I go to the Justin Bieber concert maybe it's because I spent money that I participate did you follow my line of thinking in other words I'm gonna get something out of my money so even if I'm having a bad day I didn't spend fifty dollars to fold my hands I'm gonna say something Baby, baby, baby. <laughs> but, but church is free. See the wisdom of the enemy, right? In other words, at the Justin Bieber concert, I have skin in the game. So I'm going to get something out. Do you see the difference? And so the believer has to think the same way. I've got skin in the game. I'm going to get something out of this moment. Because I might not get this moment again. So, seeing that I'm here right now, it's that whole idea of Jesus is passing by. And I don't know if he's ever going to come to my town again. So since he is near, I'm going to get something out of this moment. Am I talking to anybody? I came from Mississauga not to play games. I drove from Ajax to play games. The devil is a liar. I come from Brampton to play games. I came, sir, to see Jesus. You better get ready, Richard. I'm feeling something that's just like turning. It's, it's a felt environment. It is. Can I prove it to you in the scriptures? Watch this. Look at this. Uh, go back to that scripture. I need Luke 5, 17. It came to pass on a certain day, Jesus was teaching. Pharisees and doctors were sitting by. Everyone came from every town and Jerusalem, Judea. Watch. And the power of God was present to heal them. In other words, there was an atmosphere for whatever they needed. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Wherever Jesus is, there is that atmosphere. So when we put our minds around that, we begin to realize how serious this moment is. I take ministry gatherings very seriously. (laughs) With my broken, flawed, deficient self, I take them very seriously. We are creating an atmosphere for the King. So that when He comes, whatever the needs are in the room they will be met so that no one will walk out of his presence not feeling like i met jesus and all my needs have been met 
rebuke the attitudes that we bring to the church. I rebuke the Christian attitudes we bring to the church. I rebuke the arms on the seat, hands on. I rebuke that. The devil is a liar. He's fooling us. He's fooling us. You're going to have an attitude for half an hour and go back the same way. But if you would just shift your mind, shift your attitude, and say, whatever's going on in my life, if I could just see Jesus, if I would participate, I would see him. Then it would be about him. Listen, can I tell you something? When you have an attitude, when I have an attitude, we make it about us. We make it about us. I got an attitude. I'm not, it's about us. But the assembling is about him. If I can go one step further, what, what that really means is, Dalton is an, he's, he's a hand, and, 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 and my, my sister, she's a foot, and, 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 and I'm a finger. That means God is assembling his body. So that if the body is assembled properly in every local place, the head comes and sits on the body, and the body stands up, and Jesus is in the building. Jesus is in the building. Oh my God. And if Jesus is in the building, no devil can be in the building at the same time. If Jesus is in the building, sickness can't be in the building at the same time. But but over the years, we have, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, we have controlled it. We have said, I'm going this way. And we have justified it. I'm not feeling so good. And they did me. And I don't like pastor. And I don't like my brother. And so we come and it's a whole nonsense. And what we don't realize is even though Jen is singing and we're worshiping, he's not coming. And if he's not coming, someone else is going to come. I hope you heard what I just said. If he's not coming, someone else is going to come and move among us while men slept. And the enemy came and but if we would wake up open our eyes and let this be about Jesus someone say Jesus just say Jesus it's about him right now it's about him sit down sit down if you will what the atmosphere does it controls the direction we have an agenda the atmosphere comes and says, we're going here. We're doing this. Miko, you wanted to talk about this for the giving moment. The Holy Spirit said, no, we're not talking about that. So even our songs, our message, everything is now subject to the atmosphere. And the atmosphere begins to control the direction. If you don't believe me, I'm telling you, study the other world, the other kingdom. You will see it controls to the degree that people in some of these places, they literally lose their mind. Because they, they are now, watched. they are inebriated by the atmosphere. Do you remember what they said about the apostles? They said, these men are drunk. Because they came out of an atmosphere. They were intoxicated with it. It controls the direction. And all of a sudden, everyone, Pastor Miko, elder so-and-so, sister, brother, everyone realizes, I better decrease. I better get out of the way. That's why the Bible teaches, watch, that when the Lord is in his holy temple, 
Let no flesh glory in his presence. Demonic spirits are silenced in his presence. I will even show you something. The atmosphere is so powerful that demons cry out in the atmosphere. You know why? The atmosphere torments them. And they cry out. So whenever you saw Jesus come to a town, they started to cry out. The atmosphere torments them. Can I show you one more thing? Because the atmosphere is so strong, demons want to come out of a vessel that's in the atmosphere. (laughs) That means exorcism becomes easy. That's why Jesus did not do what we do in the modern church. He didn't sit there all day talking to people, calling their names and this, and praying for hours. He just simply said, come out. One time he was so strong, the devils had a conversation with him. They said, we're going out, but please, we don't want to go here. Can you watch this? Watch. Can you send us? Can you send us into the swines? Do you see the kind of control? Can you send us? Can watch. Can you assign us a place that you think would be good? Because of the atmosphere. That's, that's why you could feel that. That's why you could feel that. And you saw Jen was singing and Jesus was being exalted. You saw that. People are on systems. People work for the ministry. They serve at the ministry. They may not know the Lord. They may. But even people working technological systems, they begin to feel there's something here. Watch this. If you allow me to go, watch. The atmosphere, what it does is it pushes the gathering from the outer court where we entered where we're giving thanks, it pushes us into the holy place. God is still using the tabernacle in worship. That's what it was designed for, along with some other things. It then pushes the congregation, the believers, into the holy place. And there, the first thing is the light of the candlestick shines on us. We see ourselves. The bread is available for consumption. That's when the word of God is preached best from the holy place. That's where the bread remains fresh. The candlestick is there to show me who I am. I can see myself in the holy place. And that golden altar of incense, it's there. So what you will see in a worship service that's really about Jesus, you'll see some people praying, because that's the incense. You'll see some people worshiping, because now we're in the soul of the environment. We're going someplace. When we get here, this is so important. Oh, what the holy place does is it touches everyone. No one will say, I I didn't get that. No one will say, what what happened there? Everyone is touched. Can I show you what I saw in scripture? People begin to cry out, help. You don't have to ask them because they know what they're dealing with. They begin to cry out, help. Whether they're unbelievers or believers, they begin to cry out, help. The atmosphere is set and they realize that I can get some answers in this moment. The atmosphere is talking, it's teaching, it's didactic. So, so, so here's, here's a woman, Jesus is always an example of the atmosphere. And when Jesus went thence, he departed into Tyre and Sidon. Watch what this woman said. A woman of Canaan, she came and she cried out. You don't have to read all those words, have mercy, my daughter. All she's simply saying is, help. The atmosphere is here. 
If you read further, you will see the disciples not understanding the atmosphere he creates. You know what they told him? They said, send her away. Can you see the growth of their discipleship? They didn't even understand what the atmosphere was doing. The woman came and said, my daughter, you can help. That develops this great conversation of the woman saying, he said, I, I, can't, I can't give you the bread. She said, I, I can eat the crumbs. He said, I've not seen such faith. Your daughter is healed. People begin to cry out, help. I've always believed this. Altar calls are good, they're important, but the atmosphere will create the altar call. Because what you want from people is the knowledge that no one forced them to do what they're doing. Yeah. You know, the pastor, he kept calling. He kept saying, is there anyone here that wants... He kept calling and I felt bad. He wasn't going to stop the service, so I went. I went because someone called me. Can I show you what the scripture says? Maybe I'm in the ideal world. Watch. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit. Draw him. The atmosphere does that. Here's what people also do in the atmosphere. If there isn't a need, they say, give me more. They say, we want more. There are situations where Jesus preached all day. He was with them healing, preaching, teaching. And he said, I got to go. They said, don't leave. Don't depart. We want you to stay. In other words, we want more of this. One of the reasons why I think it's good, I'm not always the best at it, that you sort of cut it off at a certain point, it's because it then creates an appetite to come back for more. Yes. So that I, I got to get back. Remember what David said? When he understood the purpose and saw, he said, I was glad yes. when they said unto me, let's go back into that atmosphere. So there are people that are saying, we want more. I've actually sat with people that said, can these services be longer? And I've got to say, well, you know, what we're trying to do is make sure that we don't exhaust you so that next week you can come back for more and more. If you walk out of here and say, well, I don't know if I'm coming back for that. We've not done our job. But it should be so enticing that all week, watch this, I'm thinking about it. Can't wait to get back there. I'm honest with myself and I try to be honest with you. These are the people that said, don't depart from us, stay with us. I'm honest with myself and I teach you this. When I wasn't a Christian, I bought tickets for concerts. I went to see New Edition in Buffalo years ago. And the moment I got the ticket, guess where my mind was? Can't wait to go to the concert. As back in the days when Bobby Brown was saying, my prerogative. Remember that? You don't have to act like you don't know. How's that like you don't know what I'm talking about? Ever seen those Christians act like you don't know what they're talking about? Then you go in their car and accidentally it comes on. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what he's talking about. Everybody's talking all this stuff about me. Why don't you just let me? My brother. I'm up there like, ah. my point is this. I'm I was excited to go. You know what I did? I bought a new outfit for the concert. And I showered and I put on my best cologne for the concert. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Because I wanted more. I wanted to be in that environment. 
Think about the same thing when it comes to God. That if you look, whether it be a Sunday or whatever, you see people coming and they're hungry, they're thirsty. Robert, they can't even wait for you to start playing before the worship. People are already worshiping. That creates an atmosphere for this great thing we're looking for. That's called revival. That's what revival is. People are running to the house. Not just, you know, when I get there, I get there. They know that something is there. And I close here. This is the destination. This is where we want to go every time we gather. And so God makes it so clear for us. He says, when Jesus died, because in the Old Testament tabernacle, you couldn't go beyond the veil. Not if you were not Aaron. Not if you didn't have blood. And when Jesus died, watch, the veil was torn. From top to bottom. It means we didn't do it. God did it from top to bottom it means that access to this place is available both individually and collectively that you can get here and what's inside this place that's where the ark of or can i say this the manifest presence of god is in the holy of holies that's really the throne room of god that's the secret place where you can abide and dwell that's that place And we can go there when we gather. You can go there individually as well. And it's an expected experience that God has. And it is only there that Jesus is really exalted because that's the throne. That's where he sits as king. I'll tell you this and I'll do two more then I'll stop. Jennifer chose a song. I was over there. I heard the song. What I heard was, I said, this sounds like the Jewish synagogue. And I kept saying, Baruch Adonai. It sounded like, she just, Yeshua. Did you follow what I'm saying? That's where Jesus is exalted. I'm telling you this prophetically, that when we get there, you will see no flesh would dare. People will be careful to even say, I want to do something. We've got it backwards. We've got the church being a cabaret. I want to say something. I want to testify. I want to share an exhortation. I want to talk about what? No, I want him exalted. Because though this one is, though this one is the cross, it also continues by application in our worship. If I be exalted, then I will draw all men. If he is ever exalted in our worship, I'm telling you, you will see this. God will confirm my word. You will see people walk out of their seats and come to the altar. And they will say, I want to know him. You won't say, well, why did you come? They will say, I want to know him. You'll see a line of people just coming, walking up. The atmosphere has done the job. But this is what I like about this watch. That's where God arises. That's the place where God gets up when Jesus is exalted that's when God gets up you know that famous scripture watch let God arise do you know the rest let his enemies I told you when God gets up devils begin to run so you've got to do this church thing properly you could be doing church and devils are sitting there folding their hands waiting to jump into someone's life but done properly when God gets up Devils begin to scatter. That's why in your private life, you can have this experience. 
And in our public lives, we can have this experience where God arises. This is your homework because I'm well over. Go home and read 1 to 12 of 68. You will see what God says about what happens when he rises up. What you should look for and what you should see. And I close with this. I close with this is my last one. Wherever Jesus is exalted, God gets up. Doesn't matter where. You can do this on the job. You can create an, an individual atmosphere. So the Bible will teach us things like you have an altar. You can do this right on your job. And all of a sudden God gets up and your boss is bothering you, scatters. Think about when we come in our numbers. Two or three? Hundred? So the job of the enemy, I'm going to tell you this, brothers and sisters, it takes some discipline. If you ask me, is everything right in my life? Not yet. Do I still have some things I'm trying to work through? Absolutely. But I'm not going to let them impede on this opportunity. Everyone can say the same thing. Are there some people that are still bothering me? Yes. You can say the same thing. Are there some things I'm still believing God for? Answer is yes. But they will not impede on this opportunity. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. And over the years, we, the body, to my non-people of color, especially people of color, we've made it so cantankerous. And the enemy knows that if you get it right, he doesn't stand a chance. So his job daily is to make sure that this is muddled and messed up. Because if you ever get it right, beyond pigmentation, we will see the glory of God. Now, listen to this. What would happen if you saw and I saw the glory of God every week? (laughs) Think about that statement. Every time we gathered, you left and the residue of the glory of God was on your life. You wouldn't even be thinking about, I don't want to go back to the service. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to give up. (laughs) You would be saying, that that I'm doing, that's not right. I drop it right now. That that's not in alignment with God, I shed that skin in Jesus' name. That is the purpose of the gathering. Yes, it is. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so powerful. Rise to your feet, everyone. That's why it's so powerful. I'm always asking you to lift your hands. Don't let it be a routine. It's just that I believe my job is to teach myself in you how we can create these atmospheres. There are atmospheres that will not even require preaching as we know it. Because God has a mouth and he can talk. We're just vessels. He has a mouth. We weren't there. He spoke. Let there be. He has a mouth. He didn't tell someone, say, let there be. And that's the highest level. When he talks to you, you will never say, the pastor said, God spoke to me in an atmosphere. And dare I say that if we can create these atmospheres, watch, we can control cities. And if we can control cities, we can control countries. Stretch your hands, everyone. 
please, just for me, if for no one else, let's create atmospheres in Rhema. Let's just create them. We're back here on Wednesday when you come. Just hold your hands just for one second up. I've said this before. You might think pastor is just being finicky and funny. Don't have social conversations just before the service commences. And then think your mind is going to flip a switch. Get your mind ready to enter. Talk to the people after. You have time. Talk to your friends after you've greeted them. Talk to them after. I've seen this. We've done this before. Where our ministry used to be, people would come and just start praying. All up and down, getting ready. But they're creating an atmosphere. Not come and sit in your seat and watch the video screen and talk and chat. And then somebody says, please stand. We're not ready. Then we got to work ourselves through that. But when you come light a fire. Put some incense on the altar. It's only going to be for 90 minutes, maybe 120. That's it. Out of our day, our week, that's it. We've come to create atmospheres. Hands raised in the presence of God. Music going now. Singers getting ready to take us out. Because this week we're going out in Jesus' name. And we're not going to be defeated. Because of the atmosphere that we've come out of. The glory stays with us. It lingers throughout the course of the week. Raise the music now. Raise the music now. Raise the music now. Lift the hands now. Open your mouth and begin to honor Jesus. And begin to bless his name. Come and sing the songs of Zion. We're going in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's raise his name.